Hello and welcome back to the True Blue Sporting Podcast and a preview of everything in Australian sport in this upcoming week. We'll start with the NRL, move our way into the AFL and have a look at the ODI series which is going over in Pakistan as well. To start us off, we've got Thursday night football in the NRL. The Gold Coast Titans up against the West Tigers and isn't one of these sides so desperate for a victory and that being the Tigers They just need a win, and it doesn't really matter where it comes or how it comes. They just need to get the job done. But unfortunately, I just worry where they're going to get the job done. Stefano Utukamano, he's now out for an extended period of time. And their most creative player is gone as well in Jackson Hastings, who still sits on the sideline for two weeks um, as he serves his suspension for that lifting charge. A thing which I found interesting about the Tigers, and I only read this about um, two hours ago, and I think this sums up the club in um, general. Michael Maguire asked if he could have Adam Dewey, one of the club captains, and Jackson Hastings travel up to um, the Gold Coast with the squad so he can have them in these coaching box. It's not a big thing. It's just every club usually does this when players are suspended or injured and they're key parts of their side. They come up and they sit in the coach's box um, with the assistant coaches and the head coach. But the Tigers management declined this request from their head coach And then Jackson Hastings had to pay for his flight up to the Gold Coast. This club at the moment is in shambles and it's all from the head office. You can blame Michael Maguire all you want, but he has never had the correct backing from the board which is required to go full in at this job. He's been undermined by his CEO, Justin Pascoe, and it's time Justin Pascoe goes for mine. He is um, running this club into the ground. It's just... Yes, the performances on the football field aren't good enough, and everyone knows that, and they acknowledge that. But do they have the right cattle to play well? No, they don't. They're a bottom four roster, that's for sure. So, instead of sacking the coaches, he sacked four coaches, Justin Pascoe. I think it's time that the board look at him as CEO and look at letting him go. The Tigers, they welcome back a few players. Uh, Tolangi is back. Um, Jimmy Roberts is back, and Ken Mamalo is back. However, I did say there was a big out in Stefano Utukamano. And if we look at the Gold Coast sides, they're going to want to make amends for their performance last week against the Raiders. Yes, they got out to a 22-0 head start, and they were impressive. They got run down, and they were very disappointing. Jermaine Asako comes in at fullback to replace uh, Jaden Campbell, um, and it's his first game out the back for the Titans, and his first game in Titans colours, so look out for him. Corey Thompson is back as well and falls into that wing spot to replace Philip Sami. We're looking at this contest. I can only see it going one way, to be honest. Um, the Gold Coast Titans at home, I think they'll get the job done. Although I am a Tiger supporter, I'll back them. Um, you know, I'll be sitting there hoping they get the job done, but I just don't see it coming. I see the Titans winning this one and winning it um, quite comfortably in the end. Maybe the Tigers push them for 60 minutes, but... Who knows what we're going to get with both of these sides. And on a Thursday night, there could be fireworks and an absolute shootout, or it could be a very dour affair. The first game on Friday night, really interesting contest, is the Cronulla Sharks up against the Newcastle Knights. And I can see this game swinging um, either side. Obviously, I've been really big on Cronulla. I've liked the way they've been playing, uh, especially with Nico Hines. And then Newcastle, they've been impressive to start the season with Clifford and um, Clune in their halves. They welcome back Caelan Ponga um, this week, and that's going to be a huge in for them. This game 
has the potential to be an absolute blockbuster. I'm, I'm going to lean towards Cronulla, just because I think they have more um, out front. The likes of Rudolph, Hamnuele, um, McInnes off the bench, um, Fanukin. I feel like their engine room is going to outpower and outmuscle the Newcastle engine room. But that's where the game is going to be won or lost. They've, these sides have enough strike on the edges um, with Gagai, Best, uh, Ramian, Mulatala. They've got plenty of strike, these two sides. So big. So this um, has the potential to be a clash which is going to be extremely exciting. Obviously, Mitch Barnett is out after he has been suspended for six weeks. And six weeks for that suspension, I think, is incredibly soft uh, by the NRL. They had the opportunity to make a statement against foul play. Uh, I've seen some of the narrative that, you know, he hit the chest first, then he went up. It wasn't a cocked elbow. That was a deliberate elbow to the head of the opposition. Yes, he was a lead runner. Some people even saying that Chris Smith was at fault for it. That's absolutely ridiculous. He copped an elbow into the face, and somehow he is at fault for it. So... Six weeks is an incredibly soft penalty, um, and it should have been incredibly uh, should have been more substantial to set a standard and set a precedent uh, to say foul play won't be acceptable. Because we've been talking about protecting players for I don't know how long now, and when we have the opportunity to protect them, we slap them with six weeks. Latrell cop six weeks for a footballing incident. This isn't a footballing incident. Yes, Latrell deserves six weeks, but that was a footballing accident. People will say, oh, it was deliberate from Latrell. But at least he was attacking the play. He was trying to make a tackle, and he got it all wrong because he was aggressive. Mitch Barnett, this was, a, this was a dog act. There is no nice way to put this from Mitch Barnett. I'm sure he's, the lovely, he's a lovely guy, but this act was a dog act. It was off the ball. The ball was two passes away from him. It was in the backfield, and he's just hit him with the elbow in the face, and he copped six weeks. Latrell copped six weeks for a footballing accident, and Mitch Barnett copped six weeks for a dog act. I just, it doesn't make sense for mine. That's my thoughts on the Mitch Barnett incident. As I said, I'm sure he is um, a lovely guy. And that's nothing um, to say on that. He just made a mistake. I'm not saying that he's a, um, I'm saying that the action was a dog act. Not not him in general. Um, but I just think the NRL missed out on an opportunity to send a message to every um all the players within the competition, and as well the fans as well, that say that this wouldn't be acceptable. Um, so I'm going to lean towards Cronulla in this game, um, but it's all relying on um, the engine rooms. If Whichever engine room's going to um, strike, I think it's going to be a battle between Hines and Ponga um, in this matchup, and isn't that a contest? Nico Hines and Kalen Ponga coming up against each other. On Friday night at 8 o'clock, it is the grand final rematch. The Penrith Panthers at home take on the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And the Penrith Panthers welcome back the best player in the competition, Nathan Cleary. He just demands so much um, respect in this football side. He's going to walk back in. And he may not star and, and shine straight away, and it may take him some time to get into the game, get into the season. But it's going to be so good for a side who's already undefeated to have someone like Nathan Cleary to walk into that side is only going to lift them another level. And when Nathan Cleary and someone of his calibre comes back into the side, everyone else gains a leg. Everyone else lifts because you know when you got Nathan Cleary there, you're always in the game with Nathan. He, The way he controls, the way he demands the ball, um, 
and just gets defenses playing the way he wants them to is a testimony to how good of a player Nathan Cleary is at the moment. However, I don't know um, if Nathan Cleary coming back is going to be not enough, but I think South Sydney have the potential to really upset the Premiers here. Obviously, the last time these guys played against each other was in a grand final and Penrith got the job done. So those scars will be there for um, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. So I think the way they played against the Roosters was really positive. They, um, Ilias was good. Walker took the line on. Cook had a very, very good game. And Latrell Mitchell obviously starred and Cameron Murray was the best player on the park. So they're starting to... If they can recapture that form, I know it was only last week, but if they can transform that form into the next week, carry on the form, and be, that be the building block for what will be a couple of consistent games in a row, there's no reason why South Sydney can't get the job done. And I think they will. Personally, I'm going to tip South Sydney this week. And the reason being because that is what happened only a couple of months ago in the grand final. I think South City will be raring to go for this contest. I think the likes of Cody Walker will have the scars of the grand final fresh in his mind and um, channel them positively. A lot of people have said that he has been impacted by that intercept last season, Cooper Cronk being one of those. But I think this game he'll really channel... uh, Bring it with him himself and say, look, yes, I made a mistake last year in the biggest game of the year, but I'm going to make up for that. Yes, it's only a club game, but this can go a long way in defining South season, season uh, South Sydney's season. rather. If they beat the Roosters and then the Premiers in Penrith back-to-back, many people are predicting the Roosters to win the comp, and they did a very good number on them. Penrith are obviously going to be there and about, and they're almost returning to full strength with Nathan Cleary coming in. They're probably only missing Fisher-Harris and um, Liam Martin. But besides that, they are pretty full strength. Obviously, Brian Toto is out as well. So there are a few players out for Penrith. So I think South Sydney potentially have got them at a good time, although Nathan has come back in. I'm I'm really excited for this contest because of the potential which South Sydney have. A lot of people have been knocking South Sydney early on, and yes, that's been warranted in the first two rounds, but I think the performance in round three is the true South Sydney. It took them a bit of time, round one, round two, to get used to the combination. Latrell has come back now. Latrell's had time with Cody and obviously Lachlan Ilias, a new halves combination for South Sydney, and they're only going to go from strength to strength this season. And Cameron Murray, geez, he's leading very well from the front at the mo- at the minute. Um, a fantastic performance last week, best on ground um, for mine. So I'm going to tip an upset here, just because of the the scars of last year's grand final, and they're going to be like, okay, this is where we go. This is where South Sydney have the opportunity to announce themselves as title contenders once again, because people are saying that South Sydney, yes, they're good, but they're not top four good. This is where South Sydney have the opportunity to say. Latrell's not going to like that South Sydney have been spoken about in the bottom four of the eight. This is where these guys stand up and say, hey, we're still here to be counted in season 2022. And if they can get the job um, done against an undefeated Penrith side at home, that, geez, isn't that going to strengthen their premiership credentials in 2022? And I think it might. I think we're going to see a shock performance here on Friday night. And I think South Sydney are going to be up for this contest and win this in a very, very tight battle. On Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock, it is the New Zealand Warriors up against the Brisbane Broncos. And wasn't um, the Brisbane Broncos disappointing on Sunday in the Queensland derby? The Warriors weren't really impressive in their victory either. So these two sides 
it's going to be bottom eight footy. You love bottom eight footy when you get two sides who are there and thereabouts um, just playing with freedom. That's the thing I like about um, the Warriors. They play with freedom. They, they genuinely attack with um, looking to score points. They don't be passive. And that's what I like about the Warriors. I think the combination of Harris DeVita and Nikarima is the way to go whilst um, while Johnson's out. I think that's the way they've got to go um, and instead of Ash Taylor. Um, and this contest, it's shaping up to be a battle between, I say this every week with the Brisbane Broncos, and I'm such a fan of this man, Payne Haas. It's shaping up to be a battle between Payne Haas and Fanua Blake. If these two battering rams can go at each other, it is going to be a mouth-watering contest. Payne Haas, for mine, is the best front rower in the game at the moment, and there's been a lot of chatter about him during the week. Um, the media are reporting that he's man- him and his manager are looking at a million dollars. This is where Payne Haas says, yes, I'm worth a million dollars. Personally, I think he's worth a million dollars, but I don't know if spending a million dollars in a front rower is the smartest decision. I think 800000 um, It took me a bit of convincing to get to that. I think he does deserve a million dollars, but if he can save 200000 and spend that in a spine position, it would be um, a better spending of your cap. But he's definitely worth a million dollars, and this is where he says, hey, look, I'm ready to be that million dollar player i don't know if he's if it will be the smartest decision moving forward for the brisbane broncos to give a front rower a million dollars just with who they um having that spine obviously with reynolds that's probably their only star player in the spine so they'll look they need to look to bring someone in and if you spend a million dollars on Payne harsh you lock yourself away in a front row and you get into a similar situation that the cowboys have gotten themselves stuck into obviously with the Taumalolo contract which was 10 million dollars over 10 seasons that sort of stuffed up their salary cap at the moment, and you're seeing them impacted by that and having to get the minutes and the production out of um, Taumalolo, which warrants the million-dollar paycheck. And that's why there is so much scrutiny on the way Todd Payton is playing him. So it's a really tricky position that the Brisbane Broncos are going to work their way into, um, and it's going to be interesting to see how the con- um, contract negotiations play out over the next couple of months. Obviously, he's still contracted for a couple of seasons, but he's looking for a very deserved upgrade. I believe he's only on about 500000 um at the moment. And for Payne Haas, that's significant unders. Um, I do worry that if these contract negotiations go south and it doesn't go the way which Payne and his management um, work out, he will end up leaving the club. And I, I've got a feeling that it, Payne Haas has the potential to end up at the Sydney Roosters and to replace Jared Wariga Hargraves as that enforcer there when he eventually retires. So that's my only prediction on that Payne Haas scenario, but that'll develop as time goes on, but it'll be really significant if they lose him. In refer- in um, If we refer to this contest, I want Staggs to bounce back. Staggs was really disappointing on the weekend. He had a couple of errors, and defensively he was extremely poor. So this is the game where Staggs... We, with great players, we criticize their bad performances, but what we should really be looking at is how they bounce back from those. Obviously, everyone knows how poor Staggs was. He'll be the first person to say that his performance on the weekend was extremely disappointing. But I'm really excited to see the bounce back from Staggs and how he will go, look, yeah, I didn't play that well on the weekend, but that's gone now. I can't get the performance back. What I can do is impact my side next week in a positive manner. So I'm really hope, uh, hoping for Stags and for the Brisbane Broncos' sake that he sees this as a real opportunity to say to the pr- competition, look, yes, I can have a bad game. Yes, I had it. But it's not going to be a consistent uh, run of form. 
So I, I think Staggs is going to really bounce back and expect a big performance. They've had some issues with him um, getting the footy. I want him to go find it. He needs to go in and find that football because we all know how dangerous he is once he finds the football. So um, expect a bounce back from Katoni Stags this week. And on the back of that, I'm going to go with the Brisbane Broncos to get a victory and bounce back. They were extremely disappointing last week, but I think it has the potential to be an anomaly and not a consistent trend. Obviously, there was a lot of talk during the week that you know they returned back to the 2020 Broncos, and that was extremely... Um, damning for them because they've been tagged with that you know people may read into that but i don't think they should read into that performance as much as they should i think it was just you know they felt a bit of pressure they were two and oh they returned to suncorp on a sunday afternoon and the lights were shining and they just the young um inexperience came out and with reynolds he just wasn't able to control that but expect the bounce back from the broncos this week and the warriors they weren't overly impressive against the Tigers. It's not like they won that game. It was more of a case that the Tigers did everything they could to lose it. So expect the Brisbane Broncos to bounce back against the Warriors. At 5.30, it is the Manly Seagulls up against the Canberra Raiders. Now, these two sides have been very interesting early on in season 2022. The Seagulls have been pretty disappointing. Obviously, they got the gritty win against the Bulldogs at home last weekend, but in their first two performances against fellow Premiership contenders, and that's how we need to um, look at Manly at the moment. They're competing for Premierships. They're no longer in the business of making top fours and, and consistently making finals because they have proven that they can consistently perform up the top. But it was only one season. So they can play at that top four level, but it's now whether they can continue that for seasons to come. They're very reliant on Tommy Turbo, and he isn't having the attacking production which he had last year in terms of try assists, line break assists, and tries, but he is still impacting that side. He still get Tom Trebojevic's greatest strength is his tackle one and his tackle two carries closer into the ruck. He works t- um, tight in the ruck and then moves out when the space creates itself. And he is doing that. So... Although the stats, people who are avid super coach players, they think Tom Trebojevic is having a bad year because he isn't having the production which he had last season in terms of tries and try assists. But Tom Trebojevic is still playing very, very good in season 2022. And some of the criticism on him hasn't been, um, has been over the top, I do believe. I, I do believe that we need to see more produ- production on the. Um, offensive side of the ball in terms of his flair and his strike but we know that's there with Trebojevic that's not the issue I think it's the inside men of uh, Manly who quite aren't getting the job done and I think we've got to put a bit of pressure on Cherry Evans Cherry Evans has to unleash Tom Trebojevic and he did it last season on many many occasions and he's got to do it again but I think this is the game where Tom Trebojevic works his way into the season in terms of other people's expectations if we look at the other side of the football the Canberra Raiders they're two and one but they have the potential to be 0-3 they got out of jail against the Titans after an extremely slow start but they got the job done. And that's all you have to do early on in the season. You just got to get wins. And it doesn't matter how you get them. Obviously, Ricky Stewart would want them to be playing a better brand of football. And that'll come with time. Obviously, we know how good Ricky Stewart is as coach. Um, and he's got the side 
He's got the nucleus of a side to do it there. A lot of people rode them off, including myself, when the injury of Fogarty um, occurred in the preseason. But how good has Brad Schneider been coming into that football side? He is just so controlled at a very young age, and he's playing some incredible football. And he's freeing up the likes of Jack White and to play football. And Jack, he's slowly returning to his best, which saw him win a Dalian medal and a Clive Churchill only a couple of seasons ago. So this contest... I'm going to go with Manly to get the job done, um, and that's just because of too much star power. They've got too much star power to be kept to where they have been. Um, they haven't scored many points this year, but this could be the game where they go bang and announce themselves, and people go, okay, Manly are here. To um, Manly are still here, because I think people are starting to slowly write Manly off performance from performance, but when you have that much quality in your side, you're not going to be down forever. I don't think they will compete for a premiership, but they'll definitely be in and around the top four. And um, so this is the performance where they go back to that and return to their 2021 best um, with their attacking flair. But who knows with the Raiders, they could get this into an absolute dogfight and get the job done because everything I've said about the Raiders this season, they've done the opposite. I said that... Um, They'd struggle against Cronulla. They upset Cronulla in round one at home. Um, and then when they went up to North Queensland, they were extremely disappointing. So, And then last week, 22-0, um, only with a couple of minutes to go before halftime, and they come back and win the game. So they are um, they are a seesaw at the moment, the Canberra Raiders. We don't know what we're going to get, but Ricky Stewart will be hoping for some consistent performances Um but I just see Manly having too much star power and too much strength to get the job done. 7.30, it is the Cowboys, who are second place on the NRL ladder up against the Sydney Roosters. If we look at the Cowboys, they have been playing some really good footy, obviously. A great performance last week in the Queensland derby against the Broncos. The likes of Chad Townsend, um, he's gone up to Townsville. And he has looked to control that side sensationally. He he appears to have the respect of everyone, and he's a he's a premiership winning halfback. So when he walks into the room, everyone looks up, and um, you know they've now got a premiership winning halfback in that side, and they've got the direction which they need. Valentine Holmes has moved to centre, has unlocked his best footy, and I think he's playing sensationally um, to start the season. Obviously, a great game on the weekend, and I cannot believe that he did not get the three M points. Obviously, that going to Nanai, who scored the three tries. Um, Tommy Dearden as well. He's been playing some good football to start the season. But I still have question marks about the Cowboys. I do believe they are a bottom four roster, and it is just a good start of the season and nothing more. I don't think this will continue. This run of form will continue. I think they will um, return back to earth against the Roosters. And the Roosters, they've been pretty disappointing to start the season, but they traditionally aren't the best starters. They don't always start the season well, and this is well known. Um, Years where they have won the premierships, they have struggled to start the season and if you look at their new combinations, they've got Tedesco, Kiri's back from an ACL, um, Walker in a halfback. Walker hasn't played much footy with um, Kiri, and um, Connor Watson at nine. So they've got a whole new combination. They're starting to work that out. And, um, you know, with the Roosters, it's not time to panic. Um, I think they'll return to form uh, this Saturday night, obviously. Trent Robinson won't be making the trip to Townsville um, as he has contracted COVID and he's... Um, isolating for seven days uh, but I don't think that'll impact them too much it's um the Roosters know what they have to do and 
you know, in patches they were good against South Sydney, but South Sydney were just too good on the night. So if the Roosters can remain poised, I think they've tried a bit too hard to start the season and they're trying to um, get everything right right away. They're going to have to be patient, take their time with their combinations and with their um, with their attack. But they've got to go back to their defensive systems. They did it against Manly. They offended extremely well. But in their other two games, they haven't um, played the way that the Roosters defend. If um, So that's my biggest concern at the moment if we're looking at concerns for the Roosters. But... When I say biggest concerns, I don't mean it's massive. I mean it's just a slight thing which is off at the moment uh, for the Roosters. So I think the Roosters win, and they win well against the Cowboys in North Queensland. An interesting stat, if you're looking for an any-time try scorer this week, go on Matt... Oh, not Matt Ikevalu. It's because Matt Ikevalu has scored something like eight tries in this fixture in the last three games. On that right wing, it'll be Billy Smith on Saturday night. So if you're looking for an any-time try scorer, Billy Smith is your man, but gamble responsibly, of course. On Sunday at 4 o'clock, it's the Melbourne Storm at Amy Park up against the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. And this game has the potential to expose the Bulldogs to the NRL competition. There's no tougher test than going and playing Melbourne in Melbourne. And that's what the Bulldogs have um, in front of them. Going to Melbourne is extremely tough. And we saw it last week. They were they were off last week. There's no doubt in saying that. But they still push the game to extra time somehow. And that's just the way they play. So the Bulldogs, they're going to have to be at their very best even to compete with these guys. And this has the potential to be an absolute bloodbath on Sunday afternoon. If it's dry weather, obviously in Sydney it hasn't been um, the best conditions. I don't know what it's like in Melbourne, but it has the potential to be an absolute bloodbath. The Bulldogs, yes, they've been impressive to start the season. Um, Obviously, tough win against um, the Cowboys in round one. People say they've been in and around... Um, obviously they had their chances against the Brisbane Broncos. They didn't take them, and then they went down by one point against Manly. But I think with those results, definitely the result against Manly, the rain had a massive impact on bringing that down. So if it's a dry track in Melbourne, this has the potential to open up. And when you've got the likes of Smith, Munster, Pappenhausen, those guys, Grant's back as well from his COVID um, illness, uh, it's just... It's quite scary to think about what's going to happen. Harry Grant starting at nine. Brandon Smith comes to the interchange bench. This is different from Melbourne. Obviously, Brandon Smith, he was the hooker of the year last year, starting for most of the season. But I think Harry Grant returning is going to be really influential to this side. So I'm tipping Melbourne to win and win well. Again, just like the Roosters will. Um, It's no shock, but it's one of those things. Melbourne and Melbourne, they're tough to beat. And Melbourne... They very rarely lose two in a row under Craig Bellamy. And obviously losing last week to the Eels, they're going to be raring to go to bounce back. Um, so on Sunday night, uh, following that contest, it is the Parramatta Eels up against the uh, St. George Illawarra Dragons. Parramatta really impressive in their round three performance and the Dragons, well, they sort of returned to their season 2021 form. This contest, again, it has the potential to be an absolute bloodbath if if the Dragons produce what they, uh, which they did against Cronulla. Um, I have said that I have been impressed with St. George to start the season, and yes, that is true. But 
when you've got the likes of um, when you play the way that you did last week, it wasn't the defense just wasn't there. It it felt very very poor. It was just twenty twenty one stuff, and it went. It felt like they went a couple of steps backwards. To be honest, um, they seem to have a lot of work to do to get to where they want to uh, get to. I think we might have gone a bit too early on the top eight shouts for St. George. Obviously, I don't have them there, but I said after the Charity Shield on round one, maybe I undersold them a bit in the preseason. But I think we might have gone a bit too early, and they're starting to be exposed against the big sides. So yes, they pushed Penrith, but that performance against Cronulla was, was a bollock, um, was horrible, um, to put it simply. And Parramatta, they're, they're a side going from strength to strength at the moment. Dylan Brown, he's playing some exceptional footy. And the halfback, Mitchell Moses, he is just he's playing some really, really good football um, as well. Their defence for Parramatta is the issue. Um, their attack, it's always their, their attack with Parramatta. Uh, they move the ball so freely, side to side. Um, and, and they're really damaging when they're on and they're usually on they're very very rarely off with their attack because what they do and they attack so well um that Reid Marnie pass out of dummy half is exceptional and it's probably one of the best in the game if not the best it just gets out in front it allows Mitchell Moses and it allows Dylan Brown to play on the up and in in playing on the up you get over the advantage line and you're able to go at defenses and that's their strength their strengths are running the football so with the service of um, read Marnie, it's right in the chest and it's never a bad pass and it's never one which you have to reach for and it sets you back. You're always taking the ball in stride and then it allows you to get at the defence and play what you see and when they play what they see, they are incredible playmakers. Obviously, Gutherson sweeps out the back as well. So if they can get their defence right, they're going to be a scary side this season. They, they've been playing well. Obviously, that performance against Cronulla, it was a good one but they... Just didn't get the job done when it was um, on the line. But I think I might have been a bit too harsh on Cronulla in the... Uh, not Cronulla, on Parramatta in the preseason. And they're playing better footy than I thought they would um, to start the season. Um, but but as we always say with Parramatta, it's about the end of the season for them uh, because they always do start well. And it's when the whips get cracking, which we question them. So I'm going to say Parramatta to win a Combank Stadium um, interestingly, though, the last time these two sides played at Parramatta Stadium or Combank Stadium, St. George got the job done, and it was a big, big upset at the time, and it kick-started a run for um, St. George, which saw them enter the top eight um, halfway through that season and then drop off. But who knows? This could be the performance for St. George. If they're able to get the job done here against Parramatta in Parramatta, which is starting to become an absolute fortress, they don't call it paradise for no reason because they very rarely lose at Combank and when you go there you know you're in for an absolute war against Parramatta so but I'm going to tip Parramatta to win um, not win well I think um, St. George will bounce back from last week but expect uh, Parramatta to get the job done in that so to recap um, my NRL tips for the week I've got the Gold Coast Titans um, defeating the West Tigers, the Sharks defeating the Knights, the Rabbitohs getting the upset over the Premiers and getting their revenge, the Broncos to do the number on the Warriors, the Sea Eagles to beat the Raiders, and 
the Roosters to beat the Cowboys, Melbourne to absolutely demolish the uh, Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs, and the Eels to get the job done against the Dragons. Now it's time that we jump in to the AFL for this week, round three in the AFL. I won't be going into as much depth as I would with the NRL, obviously with me not having as much knowledge of the AFL as I do believe I do have in league, but nonetheless I will give it a crack and I will um, tip um, this week's games and I'll see how I go. Um, I... I think on Thursday night in the contest between the Western Bulldogs and the Sydney Swans, this is um, a really interesting contest. Obviously, the Bulldogs were the grand finalists last season. They've started 0-2, whereas the Swans, they were knocked out week one last year, and they've started to 2-0. Um, a great performance from Sydney last week, which saw Buddy kick his 1,000 goal, as we did cover on the podcast only a couple of days ago. Um I think the Sydney Swans, they're going to win this contest um, with the Bulldogs. And the Bulldogs, they're going to go to 0-3. They're currently 0-2. So this is a must-win game for the Bulldogs. Um, a lot of the AFL media, they're saying not if uh, they're saying that if the Bulldogs lose, they're not, um, they're not writing them off at all. But what they are writing them off for is that battle to finish 1-2. and um, Obviously, when you start 0-3, get into... Um, first or second place on the ladder, you're going to be chasing all season um, the likes of Melbourne. So um, I'm going to the Sydney Swans to potentially upset. I don't really know if this is an upset. Um, obviously, the Bulldogs grand finalists last season, but 0-2. But they've been not disappointing in their first couple of games um, where some other teams who were predicted to do really well this season, they've really struggled, and we'll get onto them a bit later. Um, the Melbourne Demons up against the Essendon Bombers. Essendon, one of those teams who are 0-2 and have been very disappointing, but I don't see them beating Melbourne at all. They'll slump to 0-3 again, in my opinion. Um, and they'll really struggle to make the 8 if they get to 0-3, um, which is the pretty basic um, standard for them this season. A lot of um, the talk being that they this was the year that they would um, make the finals and eventually win one. They've had a ve- um, very... Um, long run without winning a final, something over 6,000 days. Um, so, and that, if they go to well and three, that can only continue. So, I'm going to go Melbourne, um, the defending premiers, to continue their impressive run of form to start the season. Um, they've got one of the best Ruckman duos in the competition in Max Gorn and Luke Jackson. Luke Jackson, a uh, relatively new player into the AFL. I think last season may have been his second season, uh, but this season he's hit the ground running. And there's even talks that he, by the end of the season, he could finish um, as a top 15 player in the competition. And I think um, having him behind your um, club captain and your premiership captain and Max Gorn, that's only beneficial for your football side. And he's starting to push a bit forward, I do believe. So um, they're trying to get him out on the field as much as they can to um, further his development. So Melbourne, they get the job done over the Bombers. Um, two games on um, Friday night for the AFL. They rarely do this. And um, my pet peeve about the AFL is they have games that overlap. And this is, will happen on Friday night with the Melbourne Bombers and um, the showdown between Adelaide and Port Adelaide. Obviously, one of the biggest games in the AFL calendar. It's strange to me that they um, have them overlapping. Um with Melbourne being such a big team, obviously, in Melbourne. 
Adelaide, this this game draws people to it. Adelaide versus Port Adelaide. Doesn't matter where these guys play against each other. It's always a good contest because they really just don't like each other. So um, it it baffles me that they they're overlapping and they're playing two games at the same time. So um, anyway, that's a conversation for a different podcast potentially. But um, in this contest, geez, Port Adelaide need to win. Um, they've made a couple of prelim finals in a row, and, and many of the media are saying that their premiership window has slammed shut. Um, is that a bit of a overreaction after only a couple of weeks? We'll have to see. Um, but, you know, against Adelaide, Adelaide, they're stuck down at the bottom of the ladder. They finished um, Wooden Spooners last year. If not Wooden Spooners, definitely um, second last, and they fought for the Wooden Spoon very up to the very last game. So they're not that impressive, Adelaide. Um, Port Adelaide, they should get the job done, but if they lose to um, the Crows here, geez, it's time to um, sound the alarms for Ken Hinckley and the power. The GWS Giants and the Gold Coast Suns um, take place on the 4.35 uh, first bounce on Saturday afternoon. And this contest, don't really know much about it. I know that the GWS Giants, they pushed the Swans in round one, and then they were disappointing in round two against the Tigers and the Gold Coast Suns. To be honest, haven't heard much about them, but what we do know about the Gold Coast Suns is um, they've struggled very um, a lot over the past couple of seasons. They did push Melbourne in their round two contest, however. They looked um, impressive, and they looked to um, shock them at the start of the, se- uh, start of the game. They, they got out there, and they got off to a very good start before the Demons. Um, they flexed their muscle and they um, reined them in. So I think the GWS Giants win this contest. Um, but again, no confidence in it at all. I think it's a toss of the coin between these two sides. And I'm going to go the Giants to get the job done. 7.35 on Saturday, it is the Collingwood Magpies up against the Geelong Cats. And this contest, oh, isn't this going to be um, fantastic? Collingwood, they've been playing some incredible footy under new coach um their new coach and and Geelong they are they're the old masters they're a bit um they've just got the the men who um the likes of Patrick Dangerfield Selwood um Hawkins who've been there before and get it done so um this has it's the new versus the young um old in this side the the new kids on the block um being Collingwood they're um they've started the season well um but this is a real big test for them being Geelong in prime time after being 2-0 and um, I think Geelong uh, just have too much experience and, and get the job done here. Another overlapping game, so it's a trend in the AFL, as I did say, at 8 o'clock on Saturday night, the Brisbane Lions up against the North Melbourne Kangaroos. Now, North Melbourne, they got the win last week against West Coast, but they were absolutely decimated um, with Coven, and they had like seven debutants or something. So um, I don't think we can read into that contest too much, and they only won it by a couple of kicks. So... Um, and if a couple of um, goals go the other way, you know, West Coast get the job done with um, a bunch of park footballers, basically. So Brisbane Lions to win this one and win this one well for mine. Uh, again, Sunday afternoon at one ten, being the first bounce, it's the Carlton um, It's Carlton up against Hawthorne. And if you set, were to say that these two sides were 2-0 and o to start the season, you would be absolute... You would have been called absolutely crazy and you would know absolutely nothing but that's the case uh, with these two sides they have started the season off fantastically and are playing some um, great football there they've changed the way that they play I do believe um, Voss um, 
implementing his system that he wants and they're starting to defend as a team Carlton the big thing which people said about them last year is they were very individualized but this season they seem to um be together they seem to be working as a unit and um it's working for them and uh Hawthorne they um went to the Adelaide Oval and upset Port Adelaide and that's a great win going to um a side like Port and getting the job done under new coach Mitchell as well so and they're moving the ball um beautifully um off off the boots so this has a has the opportunity to be a contest and one of these sides are going to be three and oh um so i'm going to go carlton because patrick cripps he's been playing some fantastic football at the minute um to start the season and he's really revitalized his um his career a lot of people said what's going on with him where's he going um but i'm going to go with carlton to beat hawthorne 3.20 Sunday afternoon, it is the St. Kilda Saints up against the Richmond Tigers. This contest, I don't really know um, where I'm going to go. Um, the Tigers, they're missing Dusty. Dusty's taken an extended break um, for personal reasons, whereas St. Kilda, they don't really have much besides Jack Steele. Um, I think the brand of Richmond probably gets them over the line. There's more certainty with the way that Richmond are going to play. Um in terms of knowing what you're going to expect. You know what style they're going to play, whereas St Kilda, I think, don't really have that um, sort of really poignant style. Like, you know, when you look at them, you go, okay, that's the way the Saints are going to play. I don't think they have that in terms of um, when you compare them to Richmond. So if I'm tipping someone, I'm going to tip Richmond because we know the high-pressure game, which they can play, but they just haven't been doing it. Um, Although they did get back to it at times against the Giants. Um... And then in the West at 6.20 on Sunday, it's the West Coast Eagles up against Fremantle. Again, don't really know where I'm going to go with this contest. Um, West Coast, they were absolutely decimated and put in a very good performance against North Melbourne. I don't know if their players are back who um, who they've lost. Um, but I think West Coast, that performance against North Melbourne, that's going to be good for the whole squad no matter what, um, no matter who plays. You know that it shows that showed them that they can they can perform, and that's only going to inspire um, the men who were sitting on the sidelines, um, saying, "Okay, we we're able to compete with people we bring in. Um, we can compete against anyone." So, Simpson, the coach, he's got a tough job ahead of him um, with the whole COVID situation in Perth. Fremantle are predicted to be hit by it next. Um, the way COVID's ripping through um, Perth at the minute. Um, which is quite ironic, but that's a conversation for a different day. Um, so I'm going to go West Coast with um, not not much confidence, but I'm going to go West Coast to get the job done in the Perth derby. Um, so to recap, I've got the Sydney Swans beating the Bulldogs, Melbourne uh, defeating the Bombers, the Port win, Port win the showdown, the Giants defeat the Coast, uh, Collingwood are defeated by Geelong, and the Brisbane Lions get the job done over North Melbourne. Carlton... Carlton go to 0-3, if my predictions are correct. The Tigers beat St Kilda and the West Coast win the derby. So that's my thoughts ahead of the AFL for this week. We now look at the cricket and specifically the Australia Tour of Pakistan and the Cricket World Cup um, semi-final, which our women competed in. We'll first touch on the men in terms of their uh, tour of Pakistan. They got the job done with an 88-run victory. Um, in the first ODI at Lahore. 
Travis Head, man of the match with his 101 off 72 deliveries. He got his opportunity at the top of the order and didn't he grab it with two hands, playing absolutely phenomenal. And he returned to that form which we saw in the Ashes. He, The thing I love about Travis Head, he just takes the game on. He's never afraid to... um get in the contest and take the uh, change the momentum. He scored this 100 within 25 overs. Um, and if you look at that, you don't usually see that. You usually see openers stay there for a long time, and you'll see this with um, the Pakistan in his there. Um, Centurion was their opening batter, and that was a run of ball. But Travis Head really took the game on and tried to take the game away from the Pakistani um, side. And he did that. Australia, they were on track for 350. It was reined into a total of 7 for 313. Still a very good total. Ben McDermott was another man who made 50, and Cameron Green made 40 off about 30 deliveries. So a good performance with the bat for the Australians. Um, and then with the ball, our main man is quickly and sharply turning into Adam Zampa with the white ball. Four wickets once again. Um, it's, it's time for this man to be in consideration for the best ODI bowler and the best white ball bowler in the world because time and time again, he does it for his country and it's just so good to see. He just gets the job done. It's, he doesn't spin the ball a mile, but what he does is he's consistent with his, uh, he's consistent with his line and his length, but then he also varies his pace. Um, and he's a fantastic bowler. Nathan Ellis and Mitchell Swepson made their debuts for the ODI, so ODI side um, in this contest. And we look forward to tonight when um, these two sides face off in the second uh, ODI um, of the series. So a quick turnaround for our, um, our Aussie males, but um, I think they'll get the job done. And it was a very second-string side, to, if I am honest. Um, Sean Abbott played... Um, so we didn't see the likes of... There was no Stark. There was no Cummins. No Hazelwood. Our bowling attack um, probably wasn't the strongest it could be. Swepson, Zampa, Ellis, Abbott, Green. And you could probably throw Stoinis in there with the ball. But we still got the job done. And we still bowled them out and took 10 poles. So um, I think the strength in the white ball is really starting to show for Australia. Um and there's depth there, which is very important, obviously, moving into a sort of World Cup, um, the next World Cup cycle. Obviously, there's a T20 World Cup where we'll defend our title, which we won um, in the UAE um, at the end of this season. But then after that, all attention focuses to the 50-over um, World Cup. So we look talking about 50-over um, World Cups, our Australian women, they've advanced to the final after a dominant display in their semi-final against the West Indies. Uh, the woman of the match in this contest, Alyssa Healy, isn't she a big game player? 129 of 107 deliveries with 17 boundaries and a 6 in this innings. It was absolutely phenomenal. She took the game away from the West Indians. Alongside her was um, Rachel Haynes, who made 85 off 100, a very good knock as well. Um, three for 305 for the Australians, an absolute masterclass um, with the bat. They batted first, and um, they just put runs on the board. 350, that's a great score um, in the women's game. It, it's When you get to 350, uh, 305 in any form of 50-over uh, cricket, um, it's tough to chase down, so they did extremely well. And um, 
this was a rain-affected game, so it was only in 45 overs, which they made 305. So our Australian women, they're just getting more dominant by the second. Um, the West Indians, um, they were slightly disappointing. You know, they got to a semi-final. They had a very good tournament. Um, but 148 in a final, they were just... It was like they panicked, um, to be honest. There were a couple who were absent hurt, but um, it, the wickets were spread around between the... Um, Australians, uh, Megan Schutt got one, uh, got one, Sutherland got one, McGrath got one, Alana King got one, Ashley Gardner got one, and Jessica Johannesson took two. So our Australian women, they advanced to a final once again, and it's starting to become a bit of a trend for this Australian side, and it's, if there's a women's cricket tournament going um being played around the world something's wrong if this australian side doesn't make the final we're just in a golden era for this women's cricket side and they um they go from strength to strength and the thing about this side is that they have people who stand up if people fail that's okay if people fail with the bat that's okay because someone always stands up so it's always um great to see because you never know what's going to happen with this side and who's going to make runs and it's so exciting to see that we're not reliant on one player and there's so much depth in this side and you know over the summer we debuted a young um leg spinner in alana king i think kind of fitting that she's got the last name king and she bulbs a bit of leg spin um just like shane warne who was laid to rest um last night in a beautiful service i thought i had to mention that that was great um to see the who's who of australian sport and australian cricket but also his family um you know, you feel so sorry for them uh, with everything they've been through. His kids spoke absolutely phenomenally. And, um, you know, our thoughts are with them also, with his father, um, his mother and his brother. Um, everyone who spoke last night spoke absolutely phenomenally. And um, the service uh, really was justice to a great man. And, you know, the stories which we hear... Um, Everyone thinks Shane wants this big larrikin, but at the end of the day, he was a down-to-earth, genuine um, Australian, and that's what everyone loved about him. So um, I thought it would be um, sort of disrespectful if I didn't mention him in this podcast being um, the day after his memorial service and we, we laid him to rest here in Australia. So um, a great performance from our Australian women, and I think um, Warney's there with him. Um, he was always a big supporter of the women's game and, and further developing that. So um, I think he's going to be there with him and he's definitely going to be there with Alana King as she bowls in a World Cup final. So um, we hope that they get the job done. Um, we don't know their opponents just yet. That um, Oh, no, yes, we do know their opponents. It will be England. So England defeated South Africa. They actually demolished South Africa with a 137-run victory. So it's an England versus Australia final. And if we're looking at previous um, contests between the two. Australia dominated them in the summer, um, obviously winning the Ashes quite comfortably and winning the 50, winning a 50-over match here at the World Cup. So Australia, they'll go into this match as heavy favourites. We hope they get the job done. Um, so can't wait for this contest. Uh, Australia, they're looking to bring the title home once again. Um, also, we'll, we'll briefly touch on the soccer. Our Aussie men, they lost again um, to Saudi Arabia, which means their, um, their path to the World Cup has been um, confirmed. They've got to go the long way around. They were defeated 1-0 well, um, yesterday 
by Saudi Arabia. And on the 7th of June, they play the UAE in a fourth round World Cup qualification match. So that's a must win. Um, and it's must win from Australia now on. Otherwise, they will not be featuring in Qatar. And it will be the first World Cup for about four campaigns which we aren't from uh the first world cup since 2006 which we weren't there so um for our australian hopes um and our australian supporters will definitely be tuning into that contest and hoping they get off um get the job done but that is um for a little bit now so they'll go off they'll prepare they'll think about what they need to do and what um what needs improvement and i'm sure that they'll come back with that tenacious that fighting spirit which australians are so well known for uh, when their backs are against the wall and um, work extremely hard to get the job done. Um, and, you know, they'll do their country proud no matter what the performance is and we'll back them, um, whatever they produce, and, and we'll always um, support them and hope that they get to the World Cup. And if they don't, we'll lick our wounds and we'll go again um, in 2026. Uh, before we finish up, I'll touch a bit on Nick Kyrgios um, and his quest at my at the Miami Open. Um, that was shut down very quickly uh, with Sinner defeating him, uh, putting an absolute clinic on. And unfortunately for Nick, he returned to his ways. He was um, there was an incident with the umpire. I don't want to go into it too much because I think it gets um, the media they go into it a bit too much. But unfortunately for Nick, um, it wasn't meant to be. Um, a few things he wasn't happy with, and he he expressed his frustrations. Um, and Sinner, fair fair play to him. And Nick even said it. Um, on his social media, he kept com- composed, he stayed steely focused and um, got the job done. So um, unfortunately for Nick, he um, goes back to the drawing board and he's got a fair bit of work to do. Um, but he's playing some good tennis at the moment. So if you can um, rein it in and um, get the job done, he's only going to go um, from strength to strength. Um so it's just disappointing to see, especially because he was playing some good tennis. He's still in the tournament um, with his good mate, Thanasi Kokonakis. Um, they are through to the semi. So this is um, good for them too, obviously making it through there. And then um, unfortunately for Thanasi, he was knocked out by second seed um, Alexander Zverev. But a very good tournament for him as well, which saw he made the round of... Um, 16 which um from qualifying so he qualified um and then um was made the round of 16 so a very very good tournament for him and he's only going from strength to strength as well and these two are starting to play some incredible doubles tennis together so hopefully they win another title obviously off the back of their um australian open doubles championship their maiden title together so um we'll keep you updated on how that goes and um when the final occurs hopefully they get through to the final um tomorrow um that's all we've got time for on the true blue sporting podcast a bit of a longer episode today and i'm hoping that you guys are liking this because personally i'm starting to like this structure a bit more we get a bit more into it and we give you i give you um consistent podcasts two days a week um and they're a longer listen but you know what you're going to get you're going to get a preview of the nrl um, a bit of the AFL. If there's Australian soccer going on, you'll hear about it, and I'll keep you updated on our cricketers as well as they um, march towards a final and um, finish their tour of Pakistan. So enjoy your sport for the weekend. I certainly will, and um, I'll be back here on Monday or Tuesday to wrap it all up.